welcome to NCBI Labs. Well, it's good to be back for our October live event, our 20th live event. And actually, I pr should probably say that this is the first of our October live events. That's right, the live event schedule is picking up again. We're actually moving to a show every two weeks now, a show every two weeks. So our next show is going to be two weeks from today, October the 27th. So that's uh, something to mark down. And of course, that's uh, all the more opportunity to talk about the technology that really makes a difference. And not just the technology itself, but also the initiatives and the, the kind of innovations that can harness that technology to help people with sight loss. Actually, today's show is going to highlight a couple of those initiatives and innovations that NCBI have been working on over the summer that I'm sure you're going to be interested to hear about. Now, one of them is the virtual technology clubs running each of the regions around the country. Um, we heard a little bit about this, of course, on our last live event, uh, our Seeing It Your Way interview. Connie Lydon mentioned our, our virtual technology clubs that are running uh, around the country. But we're going to discuss that a little bit more in depth today with help from uh, Brian Manning, uh, one of our NCBI Labs technology trainers, as well as a number of attendees of the re regional technology groups. So we're going to have a little bit of a, a chat about that. But a little bit later on, we're going to also hear from Kyron O'Mahony, our Chief Technology Officer, about something really interesting that's in development at NCBI called the NCBI Smart Hub. Well, what's that, all that about? Well, stick around and we'll hear about that a little bit later as well. And of course, participate as well if you'd like to. We we love to get the uh, the participation of anybody who's listening. We love to get the comments uh, that you have as well. Any questions that you have, please do send them in. We'll do our best to to answer them on the show or afterwards if uh, if we can't answer them on the spot. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, please do use either the question panel on the right of your screen if you're using Microsoft Teams, but uh, you can always reach us on labs at ncbi.ie. If you want to email us at labs at ncbi.ie, you can do that. So first up on the show today, we want to talk about the regional uh, virtual technology clubs that we've got. So they're happening all around the regions, all around Ireland, and I'm delighted to welcome NCBI Labs technology trainer Brian Manning to talk about them. You're very welcome, Brian. Brian, I think you're on mute at the moment, if you'd like to unmute. There we go. I can hear you now. How's things down in Cork? Perfect. We're doing very, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Cork, as always it is. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the technology clubs, the initial idea for the technology clubs, Jude, came about with the whole start of the coronavirus, uh, with, with, the, with the whole COVID emergency. And I suppose we needed to kind of invent or we needed to innovate and to think out of the box and to come up with new ways to connect with the people that we would have traditionally met with one-to-one. -one. So initially we came up with the idea for setting up, I suppose, peer support groups using technology and then obviously it just developed from there and the national progression would have been to set up these technology clubs. 
So we partnered with our um, colleagues in the advocacy office in NCBI, and we have uh, we, we, we have a, a network of advocates in the various regions as well. So we got them in bo on board, and the idea was that we would set up these technology clubs, as I say, in partnership with our advocacy colleagues, and we set them up, I said, from maybe the middle of March, Hmm. And they have been going really, really well. There is one in every, all of our regional offices, all of our regions would have a technology club. And we meet every Wednesday at 12 o'clock. And the idea would be that the reason why we would meet at the same time was that no matter where you are in Ireland, if you're registered with NCBI or you want to get involved with NCBI, that there is a technology club offering at the same time, every time, every week, 12 o'clock on a Wednesday. And they really have been working really, really well, I think. Very good. So just tell us a little bit about what's involved then. So if somebody was going to attend one of these groups, how long would it go on for? What sort of subjects are talked about? Well, again, it's very, very much participant-led. So um, what we would discuss would be like uh, in, in the, the, the group here on Cork and Kerry. Like, I mean, I would throw it out at the end of every week. OK, lads, what are we doing next week? And invariably, someone has some suggestion of a nap or a piece of technology that they want to discuss. And again, the idea is that it's partnership led to the extent that the that the participants would actually lead presentations as well. I mean, I might be the facilitator, we'll say, but, and I do sometimes lead the discussion, or I would kind of, you know, carry out a presentation on a particular piece of technology or on a technological area. But the idea would be really that the people involved would actually do the presentations themselves. So, for example, last week now we had um, in the Cork Harry Technology Club, we had a discussion on the, um, the new uh, accessibility features of iOS 14, and we had a discussion, a presentation on Bluetooth speakers for your iPhones. Tomorrow now, uh, we're having a discussion on Halo, Halo, I think it's called actually. I, well, this is an example of as to how these things work. I'm the facilitator of the program, but I don't know what Halo is. But one of the <laughs> ladies, one of the participants, is actually going to give us a presentation on it, and then we have another um, club participant who's going to give us a presentation tomorrow. I think it's on, um, I think it's on Bluetooth headphones. So. Again, that's just an example of how this works. So that kind of allows for quite a lot of flexibility, you'd imagine. Um, it's not sort of one person just deciding the a set programme. It's kind of, it's, everybody has a voice, so to speak. Well, it, it ideally works where everyone has that voice and everyone gets the opportunity to present. Now, having said that, Jude, and I'm very conscious of this, there's no one forced to present. Some people just like... To, to get involved and to listen and to consume or absorb the information. We, we very much are conscious of that and that's okay as well. But if you have a piece of technology and if you're confident enough and if you want to lead the group or lead the presentation, then we're very much open to that. That's that's really good. So roughly how many people are we talking about, Brian, at each one of these groups? 
Uh, well, I tell you, you know, the Dublin people are getting a bit out of hand as they normally tend to. And they, they, like, there's something like 13 or 14 people in that in the club in Dublin at the moment. Now, I think that's kind of, you know, you're, 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 you're pretty much shaking the borders at that stage because I think, like, again, the idea is that everyone gets a chance to contribute. And if you have too many people, then you, you might have too many people trying to get in at the one time. Ideally, I think it works best with eight or ten people, but it has been working quite successfully with the, 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 the 12 or 13 in Dublin. Um, again, in the Cork Harry group, we have nine, um, and it works well, and everyone gets their chance to have their speak, and, you know, it's, it's, it's works good. So if there's some of the technology groups, if they have, are kind of at their maximum at the moment and there's people who are interested in, in joining, are they still able to join? They are still able to, yeah. And I mean, because these groups, first of all, the advantage to these groups is that they're virtual. So, for example, Limerick might have, you know, five or six. And Cork might have eight or nine. Dublin has 12 or 13. There is every opportunity for you to join. So, for example, if you have a friend who's in Limerick and you're living in Dublin, you can't join the Limerick group because it's virtual because you know the people involved there anyway, you know. Yeah. So, there is that flexibility in it. Plus, obviously, we have the, you know, we have the flexibility where we can say, okay, it's only in the one region and, and, and we're at our max for that particular club. So, we can organize the club to, to work at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday instead, you know, where we just set up a second group. It breaks the principle where everyone is at one time, is, is at a club at the one time. But again, having said all of that, there's flexibility in everything. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's something that people want, then it's absolutely able to work. And it's great that NCBI, NCBI can make this offering to people as well. And again, this is something that I think can be expanded. It's something that we looked at initially as well. Yeah. And I mean, like, if we can give the model of the technology club as a good practicing model of something that's working, then why not extend it? Why not maybe have, you know, NCBI, you know, having virtual fitness and health and mindfulness yeah. clubs and stuff like that. Like, so it's something that we can Are you going to lead those as well, Brian? I'm full of mindfulness, dude, as you may know. But, uh, <laughs> no, it is something that we could definitely explore. And again, we can use the technology club model as something that we can yeah. go forward with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very good. Thanks for, for that, Brian. Maybe if you'd uh, stay on the line with us um, for a moment, because we're going to just kind of shift focus for a, for a moment. We've got some of the participants of the technology clubs around the country with us as well. Um, so we're delighted to have the panel there. And Brian, if, if you're uh, if you've any kind of queries as we're talking as well, if you want to jump in, by all means do. But maybe first of all, we can introduce um, Shane O'Malley. Shane, you're down in County Clare, I believe. I am indeed, yeah. Very good. So can you just give us a little bit of your background, Shane, maybe just a little bit about maybe your sight loss and your, your general interest in technology, first of all? Uh, yeah, no, um, was, uh, I had an accident in 2012, so I went from being fully sighted to being blind, basically, straight away. Mm. So, but I was always very interested in technology and stuff like that. Um, and I'd say, I suppose the easiest way to look at it is I picked, I suppose, but I didn't pick it, but the best time to become kind of blind because it was just at the, the starting launch of Apple launching VoiceOver. Yeah. So that was in 2012, so I suppose. Must have made a big impact. Mm, huge impact. So that's what really kind of got me into the, I suppose, the Apple ecosystem. Yeah. 
because they're the only ones that kind of work. They work perfectly as is. Yeah, yeah, they've definitely impressed a lot of people, I think, out there. Um, so, yeah. so what was it? Obviously, that that kind of you you have a little bit of a background with the technology there um, and using it for sight loss. But what was it that kind of got you involved with the technology clubs? What appealed to you about the regional technology clubs? Uh, with the regional technology clubs, being honest, it was just I suppose number one during lockdown, being able to actually have a chat with someone of a similar. With say someone that was suffering from sight loss and stuff like that, and trying to figure out, which would say if I was having a problem with a piece of technology, being able to discuss it with people who might have a different workaround for something that I was doing wrong. But also, not long that, but also stuff that I might know that might be of benefit to other people. There's no point in holding on to the information for myself if it can be given out and help other people who are having problems. Might as well, we might as well do that because we're, yeah. we're all kind of in the one boss. Yeah, and do, do you find that the format of the technology clubs works for that very well? Oh yeah, it does because, and especially with the I'm in the Limerick club now, but especially it's a case like it can either work. We'll say we might pick a topic last Wednesday, but then when we log in this Wednesday, come and we could have decided, oh, listen, that's not working. Can we talk about this problem I'm having at the moment? Mm. And like it is a huge, a huge benefit because it kind of. It takes the onus of yourself and trying to figure out what is wrong or what you're doing wrong. And even just talking about it to other people actually does. You might not actually get an answer, but you might figure out what you're doing wrong by just saying it out to other people. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and that kind of is sort of what Brian was highlighting there as well with the flexibility yeah. of the groups. And it lets you get what you what you need out of, out of the group as well, which is great. It does because, and especially there with the flexibility, it's like you could end up starting talking about a Braille typewriter or whatever and next thing, or a Braille keyboard, and next thing you'd be talking about the weather and just having a general chat. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, which you kind of need as well sometimes, and it's it actually makes the learning environment kind of easier, doesn't it? Because if you're yeah. if you're wanting, you still pick up an awful lot in terms of the technology discussion, but it's kind of more natural that way as well, I guess. Yeah, as so as well, it's it's great. Like the, the pair element of these things is fantastic. Where you have the opportunity, or you have a forum where you can just have a general discussion with people as well, and it can start very, very spontaneously, as you say, Brian. You could, Shane, you could be talking about, as you say, Brian, and put one minute on talking about the weather, the next minute. There's great value in that for people as well, I think. Yeah, but especially there with the would say with the whole COVID nineteen, the lockdown, and all that. It's very hard to get out, meet people, talk to people, and I suppose we've been a social, we've been kind of, I suppose, a social animal. We kind of need interaction. But it was very good there during lockdown for even just talking to people in general, and very great, very good for the mental aspect and stuff like that. Yeah, and something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Something that's regular as well that you're able to kind of enjoy every yeah. week. So tell me something when you're talking about kind of some of the the format, obviously, is kind of that's helpful to hear about that. But have there been any particular topics, any particular subjects that you've covered that you've quite enjoyed? Oh, 
being honest, anything anything technology-wise, I'd be very interested in. But I know there we've uh, talked to base because I'd never used Zoom before. Right. And basically, Mara, which would be one of our, uh, the leader, well, I suppose the leader of the group, Mara, gave us a, basically a tutorial on Zoom and all that, and it made life very easy to figure out how to use it and stuff like that. Mm. Because other than that, never had the inkling of Zoom, never used it, didn't know the button layout or anything. Yes. But between Mara and Celeste, they really kind of, they made it easy to use and easy to figure out. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, that's really good because that's again, that's something that so many people have needed to know how to use video conferencing yeah. apps and programs and all that sort of thing over the last six months or so. So very yeah, practical. Yeah, very good. Yeah, we'd never use, I'd never used Microsoft Teams up until the lockdown. Yeah. And like it was a major learning curve logging into the first technology club, but then you could kind of say, uh, Kinesh was there to say, Shane, you're on mute, hit the button, mm. bottom left hand yeah. corner of the screen. Yeah. Somebody and kind of Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's something as well that actually that opens up all sorts of new possibilities. It might be the, the virtual technology clubs that gets you into doing some of these um, meetings online and using Teams and using Zoom and all those sort of things. But actually it opens up all sorts of doors when you're able to do that. It does. It makes it good. As you said, it opens up so much more because like there's times and meetings there that we'll say, I should have been involved in. Mm. Because I didn't actually know how to operate Zoom and I suppose just hadn't the time to actually kind of delve into it. Yes. You're kind of going, ah, no, I think, all right, I'll get that again. I know Teams, I'll use Teams. Yeah. But then when it was actually explained and kind of you were brought through it on a step-by-step -step process, it yeah. actually made life so much easier. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you very much, Shane. Appreciate your, your comments there and your input on that. We're going to move across now to, to Maura. Maura Meany, you're in the Limerick group as well, aren't you, Maura? I am indeed, yes, Jude. I'm in the Limerick group as well. Um, I'm living in Shannon. And I suppose a bit of background, I'm, I've lived with vision impairment and incidentally, I suppose, hearing impairment since birth. Mm. So I suppose I grew up with vision impairment um, and I went to the school for the blind in Dublin. Yeah. So I suppose over the years I would have dabbled in technology on and off. Um, I would have, you know, I would be a big iPhone user, an iPad user. Um, because I have, I suppose, about 10% of usable eyesight, I, I tend to use the visual features of technology quite a bit. Yeah. And it, in a sense, this was what drove me to, you know, when I heard about the technology clubs, it's what drove me to actually say, okay, this is something that might be good for me. Because because I was doing everything visually, I wasn't really learning the shortcut keys or, we'll say, voiceover or um, how to operate teams using uh, keypad strokes and those kind of um, issues. Yeah. So, like for me, I felt that the technology club, I could learn a lot from us yeah. and learn how to do things differently, you know. And I suppose technology is it's, it's kind of the way we're going now 
um, technology. It's 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 vital for I think visual vision impaired people to have a reasonable handle on technology. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. You know. So, like, that is really why I, as well as that, I suppose, I lived in Cork for 26 years and I moved back to Shannon two years ago. So, the other side of the Technology Club was, it was a lovely way for me to start meeting people and other vision impaired people in the region. Yeah. And even though it's in a virtual space, you, you do find you get to know them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you make a good point there just in relation to kind of why you wanted to join in the, the clubs as well. I think a lot of people do maybe adapt and they learn one way of doing things. Like you were saying, you, you maybe relied on the, the visual elements sometimes, but actually it, it doesn't always mean that that's a good idea to, to only have that. Fair enough if it, if it helps you to do some things, but actually sometimes it's very useful to, to find different ways of doing it. Something else might actually work better. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, last week in, in the Limerick Club, we did a slot on uh, Dream Voice Reader and Dream Voice Scanner. Yeah. And like, kind of like that, the way we operate is, you know, we, we throw out the subject at the end of the meeting. Somebody will say, look, I would like, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. So one of the beauties about this has been just I actually volunteered to go and look at the Dream Voice Reader and Dream Voice Scanner. And in so doing, and learning about it, and putting a presentation together for the group, I started thinking to myself, this is something I am going to use from now on. Brilliant. This is very good to know, you know. So I think that's the beauty of the, the technology clubs, that you will hear things that you, you know, a light bulb moment, and you say, okay, that's very handy. Yeah. Yeah. And was there any other kind of um, topics? You mentioned a few there, of course. Was there any other ones that you found particularly kind of useful through the, the last number of months? Um, I suppose we looked at we looked a bit at the features of, of the iPhones as well. Um, both the when I say the zoom feature on the iPhone, you know, um, mm. the way you can zoom in on the iPhone. That was another one that I took on board and I use it more than I ever used it now. And on the same day, we did a voiceover presentation as well. So they were very handy, you know, combining the two. And like for me thinking when I joined the technology club first and I was saying, OK, I have a vision here. And I think the, most of the other members of the, the club were totally blind. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought it's just going to work, but it actually works very, very well. You know, yeah, yeah. like that, saying, trying to find your way around the problem. You know, how do I do this? You know, mm -hmm. how do I zoom in so that I can read that? You know, yeah. is there another way of doing it? How could I do it with voiceover? And that's again, that's a, a really good point that you make because sometimes an awful lot to do with um, kind of learning the accessibility features and how to get around something is actually a little bit trial and error problem solving. There might not necessarily be a, a set kind of routine that you, you go down for every specific task. Sometimes you've got to be able to problem solve and doing that in a group is always a bit easier, isn't it? Totally, totally. It, it does make it easier because different people may have found different ways of solving 
a particular problem. You know? yeah. And you might never have thought of a different way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Can I say so, as well, Jude, that Maura is a great example as to how successful the whole linking with the um, with the advocacy office and NCBI has worked because Maura was a, is an advocate in the Midwest for NCBI and you were kind of involved and you were you took a leadership in setting up of the program as well in the Midwest, which is fantastic. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. what we're looking for, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, I think it is. I mean, I would see one of the things of the technology club is that it branches out technology you can use, you know, for your job or for, as I say, my extracurricular activities like the advocacy club or the advocacy group. Um, like I would be involved with Toastmasters beyond NCBI, I'd be involved with Toastmasters. And, you know, it's amazing the little bits you need to know technology wise to be able to, to do these things. Yes, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, very good. That, that's brilliant. Thanks very much, Maura, for your comments as well and giving us a bit more of an insight into the the uh, technology clubs there as well. We're going to move over now to uh, one of the one of the Dublin ones that does uh, Brian mentioned earlier. Uh, Brian, Brian Rothery, you're with us as well from the from the Dublin group. Is that right? That's right. Hi there. Hi, Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, very me? good. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. We gave you anyway, loud and clear. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Brian, and just a little bit about your your the background of your vision loss and your interest in technology as well. Oh, well, I don't know. first of all, my age is very important. But I, I'm 87 next birthday. Wow. And yeah. that's important for what I'm going to say. You know, I'm also in very good shape. Uh, apparently, I was uh, my doctor as of yesterday said that my latest blood blood reports showed that I'm in very good shape for my age, which is has a bearing on what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. And I also, apart from, apart from me physically well, I also appear to have a certain amount of my cognitive capacity still still with me. You know. So, me, you know, me too. I've, I've got a certain last, amount of it left. <laughs> over the last ten years. Over the last 10 years, I was losing my sight, but I had adequate sight. Yeah. I was, became a widower, and I'm living in a remote house in County Wexford, and I was doing very well. I was doing volunteer work. I was staying busy. I was highly motivated. And then, bang, 18 months ago, I was actually quite cocky. With my, I was involved with the NCBI in, uh, in Wexford, and I had very good service from them. They were sending, me, sending mini, mini buses around to my back door three times a week and taking me into Wexford. Where, amongst other things, apart from social life, we were giving us a wonderful lunch every day, a full dinner, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, all that came to an end. All suddenly, then, suddenly, in over two days, I lost my remaining sight. It was 18 months ago. And my cocking has vanished, and I came running home crying to my daughter in Dublin. Mm. Fortunately, fortunately, my daughter is a journalist and works out of the house. And even more fortunately, we have a granny flat next door to the house, and that's where I'm sitting in now at the moment. Mm. So I'm sitting in a granny flat, and I have a journalist's daughter next door. So this has a big bearing, too, on what I'm going to be saying to you. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, I, my background is I'm a, I'm a retired writer, journalist, and press officer. I was press officer for the organization that today is called Enterprise Ireland. Mm. So I've had a long, a long background in media and writing books, everything, television, broadcasting and so on. 
because it's earning and what I'm going to say. Yeah. So uh, when I turned to see, when I was in Wexford, I was learning how to use voice recognition. I took the five-day NCBI course using uh, trying to learn how to use voice recognition over the iPad to try to continue the life I was doing. Because in the life I had, I needed emails and I needed to go online and so on. Uh, but then when I had to run back to Dublin, because my daughter was next door to me, I stopped learning how to use voice recognition. And I, in a lazy, lazy but probably human manner, she simply gets the device ready and puts it in front of me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, 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 and now the, the, other, the other thing I want to say to you is there's two other things that make me slightly different. Uh, what, and what the first still related to age is the fact that I lean heavily on, not so much on technology, but I lean heavily on help from humans. I have a very good relationship with the home care industry. Home care industry. I've got a lovely Bosnian lady who comes into me six days a week and twice on a Wednesday. The second time to take me for a walk. And so, therefore, when I go walking, I don't want to learn how to use a white stick, and I don't want to learn, and I certainly won't be given, nobody would give me a guide dog. So I walk on either my daughter's arm or on her, her arm. Mm. Unfortunately, I could afford to buy more, buy more time from her if I needed it, you know? So, it, it's, in other words, it, now, so the technology is the second thing, and that's the end of what I'll be saying to you, yeah. is that instead of trying to learn about technology, I'm trying to use the technology. For example, I started making podcasts because I felt that oh. if, because I can't read or write anymore, I, I'm going to learn how to make a podcast. And I learned quite a bit about podcasts. I learned, for example, how many you need to have, that you can't just make one podcast. You have to have a playlist of five before you can upload them. I've learned things like that. And I've made my first five podcasts. And they're now up on things like Spotify and so on, you know. Now, yeah. I've come to the last bit now. <laughs> last week, on October the 1st, I was on Morning Ireland on the radio. And I was on 1 o'clock news, television news. And 10 months ago as well, 10 months ago on Christmas week, on a program about loneliness and old age at Christmas, I was on Morning, Morning Ireland. And the reason I was on these programs, and the reason I'm getting publicity, is because... Not because anybody cares about my podcasts, because nobody's going to look at them, but because of an 86-year-old man making podcasts, <laughs> that's a new story, you know. So, well, it's, in, so it's interesting have the, talking yeah, to you and hearing, hearing your story yeah, a little bit. It's, the, the, yeah. Yeah, the, advocacy, the advocacy group has been on to me from NCBI, saying yeah. they're very interested in participating, because I actually have plans to make documentary as well, and yeah, to do it yeah. with, with at least one other blind person. Do it with one, at least one other blind person where we both sit on a couch and we talk in front of the camera about the meaning of life and so on, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the it time. Like trying you've got to, a real appetite all for the time, All the time. Yeah. Trying to go viral, but if we don't go viral, at least it keeps, it's going to keep me intellectually occupied, you know? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. that's the end of my little story. So that's quite that's quite interesting just to hear your background because with that background, and it's, it's quite a balanced kind of um, perspective even on technology. What was it that, that kind of got you involved with the technology group then? What made you decide actually this is for me, I'll do this? Well, the 
main main reason was I need a life, and I I, I mean I want to be my daughter now is very loving, and I'm and 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 she, she she would look after me seven days a week, but I don't want to be a burden on her, and not only a burden on her, and so I've solved that problem because not only do I have this home carer this home carer who comes in, but I also have meals being delivered to me for you know five days a week. I cook meals, so all I have to do is put them in the oven and heat them up for 20 minutes, you know? So I have, uh, that that takes pressure off. But uh, I don't want her to have become my assistant when it comes to writing emails. So, but I do have a lovely lady, young lady from Alone, the organization for older mm. people, who does all my emails, who does all my emails. So I dictate the emails to her. For example, if I want to make a program, let's say I want to make a pitch to, to the BBC, I will just dictate the email to her over the phone, and she does it. And not only will she do it, she will then act in the when the time comes. She'll act as a narrator in the end, um, because she's never had any media experience, and she's very interested in this. And her husband's highly amused at her working with this old man in her life, you know. Because the one thing that I'm able to do is I'm able to get broadcast, I'm able to get into print. I've had journalists coming to me as well. It's because I was, I was doing it for 60 years, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good to, to keep it going as well. It's interesting. It's one of the best. I've even said to the technology, I'm, I'm on the Wednesday group here, as you just said there. I've yeah. even said to them, and we have two very, I don't know whether JP is listening or not, but we two very good guys, JP and Joe, who are <laughs> fountains of, of information and knowledge. I don't think there's ever been a question that Joe hasn't answered. I kind of keep saying to myself, we could go global with this, you know. <laughs> well, we'll edit this out of, out of the finished piece so they don't get too big, big ahead. But, um, yeah, I'm sure they appreciate oh, no, the comments. No, I want to walk for it. If I do even do a five-minute five uh, uh, podcast, I can spend the whole week just rehearsing it. So I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not bored, you know? <laughs> I loved your answer to so, your reason for doing the Regional Technology Clubs was because you wanted a life. So there's there's a great advertisement for the Regional Technology Clubs. They'll give you a life. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I'm in the book club. I'm in, I'm in the book club as well, and I was in the I was in the morning, the morning, the, the coffee morning, until yeah. they stopped it. You know, with the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. So yeah. no, no, I, I, I need, I need, I don't want to be sitting in the darkness of my own, and I don't want to be bothering my daughter all the time. And it's it's great just to have so, that appetite for for doing different things, because I think that's what keeps things moving forward and helps others as well when there's that real appetite to to get involved as well. Very good. So yeah, well, I'm hoping. Well, I, I, I've I've recruited one other member. He's a yeah. young man of seventy five. You know, he's uh, my yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that other other. I'm hoping that others will join me in in, yeah. in, in trying to make 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 creative things that we can broadcast or screen. Because the great thing about using the media is you don't have to worry about cameras or anything like that. They come around and they do all the technical work. They stick the microphone in front of your face and they stick the camera. And you just have to sit there and talk, you know. And have you found that that's kind of fairly okay? The format of the regional technology clubs has allowed you to be able to kind of have these discussions fairly easily. Yeah, I, well, just to go back a little bit, it's just I didn't say that I do use heavily. I do lean, I can't say her name because she's here beside me. Well, A-L-E-X-A, you know who that is, don't you, of course? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I, 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 I just don't want to say her name. But I use her for, for, the, for the, the following. I get three, five, 
five, not three, five classical music stations, three of them in America. I just ask her to go to them. I get several news stations. I get one one in California, one in, in the middle of middle America. I get BBC Radio 4. I get BBC 5 Live. And I get RTE Radio 1, which is a very important one for me. And I get Lyric yeah. FM, you know. So I also get audio books over her. Over her. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and she acts as my timer for my, my cookie and acts as my alarm clock, you know. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. I'd say you'll be very interested actually in our final piece of today's live event because it links in very nicely with uh, those smart speakers as well. Thank you very much, Brian. Appreciate your comments there. That gives us a nice insight there into the groups there in Dublin as well. Great. Very good. So we're just finally going to... Go on. I'll go on. Yeah, go on. Aye. I think I'm still here. Brian. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Very good. You. Okay. you can you can still hear us. Well, thanks a lot for for your comments with that, Brian. We'll move on to Paddy Cotterell now, who's in uh, Kilkenny. So you're with the uh, Southeast Group. Paddy, you're very welcome. Thanks, Jude. Um, just to so, give a bit of a background. Sorry. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Just to give a bit of a background to myself. Um, I'm probably the youngest of probably the people are here today on this on this chat, and I'm probably the youngest in in the group in the southeast. But uh, ah, like we have a wide range of you know, a wide range of people and ages. But um, I have a a small bit of farming background. I I, I farm a few calves and a few sheep. There, my matter probably five years. My sight will be kind of quite reduced. I I use an Android and an iPhone. And my techno my technology interest would have probably came from a very very young age where I ended up kind of really developing when I went to school in Dublin at the age of thirteen, and then I came home and I done a techno computer network maintenance course in in Watford, which I kind of always had the the appetite for technology. So, and then kind of from there on, then kind of. I kind of pushed to the side a bit and kind of preferred the animals. So that's why I got into the bit of farming and that's where I am today, basically. And I think the, yeah. the technology groups are, are, are famous that way to get people communicated together. Yeah, yeah. So have you been involved um, for a few months now with the technology groups? I have, yeah. Yeah, and mm. uh, just on that, like I am actually an advocate, advocate for for the southeast as well in the Wexford group, and that and yeah, kind of what I do find very good about the technology groups is any problems that arise in, in any way, shape, or form, technology related. Um, you know, I'm able to bring them up at the the next meeting that we have on a monthly basis with the advocacy group and see what we can do, or you know, see what 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 we can change or, or you know or help help vision impaired or blind people in in, in Ireland. Yeah, very good. Brian mentioned that earlier actually, just the kind of the um being able to go across the the to the advocacy advocacy group as well as the technology group. It's kind of a nice link in there, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah like very good. one of the problems actually only identified there in the last couple of weeks that uh, was brought to the last meeting was um these new touchscreen uh, chip and pin um, terminals in, in some of the shops across Ireland that, you know, aren't very feasible for for blind or people or partially sighted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And tell me something just with the technology groups. What what would be sort of some of your highlights of of the technology group? What what sort of subjects have you found that have been particularly helpful or useful? Well, it's very varied because you know everybody's at a different you know probably a different learning stage of different apps and things of like that and stuff and what I really liked in the beginning is everybody kind of just sent in all the apps they had on their phone and I think there was up around nearly 30 or 35 different apps you know from everybody and like some people had them some people didn't and then other apps like that so I was using some the other people didn't have them and that but what I like about the technology thing is you really get to know people that probably live close enough to you, but yet you don't know they, they actually live there. And like, yeah. I'm after becoming good fr- good friends with a fella that li- only lives about six or seven miles from me. So, you know, and I, I find it great that way. That it's really after enhancing people's lives. I can't get out and about that. Like it's an, and it's a great social aspect as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. And and just as you say there, just that idea of like, number one, there's people who are close by that actually maybe you don't know already, but you can get to know. But also that thing of yeah. like you mentioned there, the, the different apps that people are using, um, they might be even mainstream mainstream apps. But if if you're not talking to somebody already who's using them from a, a low vision perspective or a blind perspective, you don't necessarily know um, whether they, they can be used that way. So sometimes just the comparison, just the discussion is is enough to be able to keep you quite informed. It is, yeah. And like what I actually like about the group too is no matter what comments, you know, you ask about something or a question that you might think is stupid, the way it is, everybody's kind of in the same boat. They're always learning something new on, on some form of technology. So no one kind of, you know, no one kind of thinks, oh, it's a stupid question. Just throw it out there and if someone can help you, they'll help you. If it comes to a point where someone knows something but is not 100% sure, they might point you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And and again, that's that's a good point to emphasise because I think sometimes when, when somebody's hearing about one of these groups, if if you're not too confident in, in the your own kind of contribution or if you feel like maybe others know more it can inhibit us but actually that's a, a good point to make that everybody is kind of sharing information so it's not going to be it's a very good point I think it's also a very good point, Jude, as well, Ted, and it's one of the main reasons why the labs trainers, why the regional IT trainers are in these meetings as well. If we do need to go back to someone one-to-one after one of these clubs, then we can do that, and we can, we yeah. have the facility to do that, and we can provide the one-on-one training then, or be the one-on-one for source of information for anyone that needs stuff afterwards, you know? Yeah, brilliant, yeah. So it can kind of, it can actually trigger um, more help if it's needed, um, more assistance. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Very good. You know, I, 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 I totally agree there, like, on, on what he's saying, like, that it does help when you have someone that you can contact afterwards mm. for a bit of one-on-one help. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it can kind of just make sure that you, you get all the information that you need. If you if you haven't had a chance to get it out of the technology club, um, it might trigger something, but actually you'll be able to, to follow up on that as well. Very good. Thank you very much, Paddy. Appreciate your, your comments on that as well. And uh, that, that's really good just to hear the expressions of all of our panel there, Paddy and Brian and Maura and Shane. Appreciate all your comments on that. Maybe if we can come back to Brian Manning just to finish off here, Brian. Um, 
If people are interested in attending these regional technology clubs, how do they go about it? What do they what do they need to do? Well, all you, the first thing is, I mean, um, just contact your CRW or contact the IT trainer in your region. I mean, we have Colette in the Midwest and we have yourself up in the West. We have Derek, we have in the Midlands. We have Daniel also kind of working over the Midlands. We have a new member of staff now, Dennis uh, and Miriam, who are working out of the northeast and North Dublin. We have Maureen below in the the, the, the south, the below in the east, and I'm here in Cork and Kerry. So I mean, you know, like we like besides your CRW, they would be your points of contact. Mm. And just get ring us, get us, email us, contact labs at ncbi.ie, and they'll point you in the right direction for the technology club in your region. And again, don't do, don't be stuck on region. I mean, these are virtual. So if you do hear of a club and you know someone that's you know in the, in the club in the west, we'll say, and you want to, to join them in their technology club, then just contact just you know the, the the IT worker in the region where you want to join the club, and you'd be more than welcome. And as I say, I mean, and as I think that like you, there, there is a very a great value in these clubs, as you'll have heard from the different club participants today. So um, so get involved and. Um, Hopefully, it's 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 we'll get lots of new information, but we you hopefully lots to make new friends as well. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much for for that, Brian, and thanks for joining us today to to talk about the virtual technology clubs. They're certainly making a big difference to people, and I hope they continue to to do really well as well. So thanks very much, Brian. So obviously for. Uh, uh, for any of the, the kind of information that we discuss on the live events, if there's any questions that you have, um, the labs email, labs at ncbi.ie, is always kind of like a, a one-stop shop as well. So if you can't get in touch with somebody in your region, as Brian mentioned there, please do contact labs at ncbi.ie and we'd be happy to point you in the right direction as well. Very good. Now, from, from one NCBI initiative, to another NCBI initiative. Many of our listeners enjoyed the discussions earlier in the year about smart technology and the, the overview videos that we had of Google Home devices or Amazon Alexa devices. And this kind of technology is, is getting more and more popular as time goes on, partly due to its ease of use and partly due to how relatively inexpensive these devices can be. Well, if you're someone who has one of these devices, or is interested in getting one. A new innovation from NCBI might be of interest to you. It's called the NCBI Smart Hub. Now recently, NCBI Head of Communications, June Tinsley, spoke to our Chief Technology Trainer, Kyron O'Mahony, about the Smart Hub project. And we have that interview now for you to listen to. I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications with NCBI. And today I am joined by my colleague, Kyron O'Mahony, who's the Chief Technology Officer with the organisation. Thanks, Kyron, for, for joining us. Thanks, June. Good to be here. Good, good, good. Um, today's discussion really is quite a, an exciting development for NCBI um, because we've been recently awarded funding through Rethink Ireland um, in the space of the whole uh, innovation in, for technology for people who are blind and visually impaired. And it certainly supports our belief that technology is such a, an enabler um, and it's certainly a, an investment that we certainly welcome. So, Karen, would you mind explaining to us exactly what the funding will achieve for um, the organisation and for people who are blind and vision impaired? Yes, no problem, June. I think the, this one, as you said, is, is a hugely exciting 
um, project for the NCBI. Um, as you mentioned, like technology is is the key enabler for people with sight loss, and that's kind of been the mantra of, of my team. Um, one of the things since I've joined is that I've noticed quite a lot of um, usage of smart devices, you know, so uh, Amazon Alexas and, and Google Home devices, and, and they're hugely important for people with sight loss because they're accessible right out of the box. So I knew that there had to be a way to you know, use that, use those tools to provide access to NCBI services. So we've been working on an idea in the background called the NCBI Smart Hub um, that we'd love to have been able to build, but obviously, you know, development is, is expensive. So we pitched that idea to Rethink Ireland around their social innovation fund, and we were successful in obtaining funding to build out the, this um, Smart Hub. So really, at its core, I mean, it's 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 kind of it's hard to describe, but it's it's hugely it's hugely exciting and hugely simple to use. So really, what we're doing is we're going to build two things. We're going to build an NCBI Smart Hub, which is really a consolidation of of information on sight loss. So you know, different types of information um, that's readily available. We're going to curate that and add that to a single hub. And secondly, it'll allow people. An ability to use their smart devices, you know, so they can say, um, I'm not going to use the, the the full kind of Alexa over and over because people's devices will, will start going off. But you can say, hey, hey, Google, um, or whatever the case may be, contact the NCBI. Or you can say, hey, Alexa, tell me more about a specific, you know, area of sight loss. Or something really, really as simple as, I need support from the NCBI. And what this technology will enable us to do is, you know, via those smart speakers or smart devices, it will automatically um, give you access to the information that you need, or it'll allow you to interact with uh, NCBI services. So throughout COVID-19, NCBI has been pivoting our service delivery model to a more virtual approach. But some of the feedback we get is that, you know, there is a barrier to entry for technology for people with sight loss, particularly those who are unemployed or, you know, might be still in education or, you know, have are, are retired. And technology can be expensive to procure. But one of the brilliant things about this project is, you know, an Alexa or a Google Home, some of the cheapest versions of them are only about 40 euro. And through purchasing such a cheap device will allow you to have access to the full suite of NCBI services and also additional information about your specific types of sight loss. So if I if I just remind you again of the example, so you 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 know pick up your Alexa or your Google Home, whichever is your preference, and you say something as simple as um, you know, tell me more about retinal degeneration or something like that, or tell me more about NCBI services or, you know, um, book an appointment with NCBI. All of that is is then available. So if your appointment comes up in, in NCBI, you can you will get a reminder through your, your smart device and then you'll be able to you know, engage with NCBI directly, whether it's through my own technology support team or through the broader service provision in NCBI, all through uh, your smart devices. So it's, it's really exciting. I, I don't believe this is a project that's been undertaken before in the disability sector, in the in the, the sight loss charities that are out there. So it's one of the most exciting things I'm I'm working on in, in NCBI labs at the moment. It certainly sounds truly innovative now to be fair. And I suppose um while there are many other um different apps and gadgets out there for people who are blind and vision impaired to make their life simpler, 
um, the description you've given us there is that this hub is really specifically designed for their needs um, and marries very closely with what services we can offer them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really the, the the beauty of this is that you know through through COVID nineteen a lot of our services are now available available uh, virtually. So really, this is you know how can we make them very easily accessible to people with sight loss? You know because you don't need to have purchased a smart device, you don't need to have purchased a laptop. You know this is this is a forty euro device that. Is doesn't have a screen, so there's no visual element to it. So obviously, you know, people with sight loss or limited vision can can use it straight out of the box. They don't need to, um, they don't need to, you know, you learn how to use speech therapy or sorry, speech software or anything like that. This is something that they can just say, hey Google or hey Alexa or whatever the command might be, you know, contact the NCBI and you'll be routed through to someone in the NCBI for support. And I think um, for for me, you know. We're in a position where the NCBI wants to reach as many of peop the people of Ireland with sight loss, you know, and this to me is just one more of the um, barriers to entry that this kind of technology removes. So it's it's um, um, it's a hugely powerful piece of, of software that will run on something as, as simple as a, a 40 euro um, uh, Alexa, Google, uh, Google, sorry, Amazon Alexa. True, because as you said, it often cost can be a barrier. So something that is mainstream technology and tailoring that to their needs is, is truly innovative. Um, and I suppose it, it would it be available for people who use a, a smartphone or is it not accessible that way? Yes, no, it will be. Um, so I, I think because this is, is brand new technology and brand new um, for not only brand new for NCBI, but I believe it's brand new for the broader kind of disability sector as well. Um, we still have to figure out a lot of the, the ways that we can implement it. So uh, if you do have a smartphone and you have the Alexa app on it, yeah, it will absolutely work. If you've got the Google Home app on it, it will absolutely work through that as well. So, um, and it should it should work on desktop, but we need to explore that a little bit more. I think the key for us now is, you know, we have this uh, available pool of money to get this built. What's most importantly is we we pick out the areas of of information and we pick out the areas of our services that are the most impactful for our service users because we want to make sure that you know in the first when we release this this smart hub in uh, next year we want to make sure that we have the best parts of our services and the most you know needed areas of our service delivery um, are part of the of the, of the NCBI smart hub so we're we're still defining that at the moment and I think. As much as I want to answer yes to every single uh, question about where will this app ultimately run, what information on this app, we want to make sure that you know within this this next year and as we build this um, this smart hub, we you know we go live with the most features as possible and the most impactful features as possible. So um, I think there's there's still some analysis to be done, but it's um, it's about tying down exactly what we need to deliver for for as part of the smart hub. Perfect. And I suppose another question that pops into my head is, um, I know some of your own team are uh, blind and vision impaired themselves, but I'm just curious, will other individuals who presently use the NCBI Labs services through the, the virtual clubs or the live events, will they um, have an opportunity to feed into the development of this to make sure it's as responsive to individuals' needs? Yeah, absolutely. As you said, like we, the members of my team who have sight loss, I've, I've sight loss myself, um, and we're at the moment looking for people to take part in 
um, the pilot and the soft launch of this product. So if, if it's something that you want to be involved in and you'd like to help us out with and give some feedback on, or even, you know, just test the features as we build them, we're really looking forward to um, getting as much feedback from the site loss community as possible. So um, if you'd like to take part in, in any part of this project, please do let us know. You can send, the best way I suppose to, to get in contact is to send us an email to labs, L-A-B-S, at NC and um, we're actively looking for um, people with sight loss to be involved in, the, in this project. I think it's, you know, the, the more we can make this as relevant to the obstacles that you have to either getting information on um, sight loss or, you know, accessing NCBI services, the, the better. You know, so we're really, really encouraging um, the broader sight loss community to get involved and, uh, and reach out to us. And we know you know, from from supporting people at the moment, there's, we get a huge amount of questions about, you know, Amazon Alexa and Google Home at the moment because the site loss community use them quite heavily for, you know, reading news or reading audiobooks or or, or even playing games or anything like that. So yeah, please do get in contact labs at ncbi.ie and uh, we'd love to have you on board as part of this project. And I suppose that that's really crucial to it, isn't it? So to make sure that it is as responsive as possible. So, and the way to do that is that it's been built with um, the end user already in mind. Um, mm. And as you can, as you know, throughout the, the work that you do, um, you're dealing with people who are, are at various levels of comfort with technology. So I suppose mm. you need to factor that in as well. Yeah, that that that's that's so true. I mean, you know. I always think it's it's you know I say that so much and I say it to, to so many people in the NCBI and it's that you know technology is a key enabler, but one of the the biggest barriers to technology is sometimes learning to use that technology, you know and we're finding more and more that you know mainstream technology such as just a standard laptop or a standard you know um, smartphone is what's being used but that doesn't mean that if you get a, a laptop or you get a, a smart device that you instinctively know how to use that as someone with sight loss so we spend you know my team in particular we're available for anyone that wants support using those devices but the beauty of this product or this project excuse me is you know you don't need an instruction manual. If you can say, you know, hey, Alexa, contact NCBI, it'll work. You know, and that's that's what's so simple about this because we've really picked um, a technology here that is accessible out of the box and it's inclusive, you know? So if, if you know, right from, you know, from people who are who are very, very young, you know, um, can use the device to people who are, who are very, very old, there's no technology, um, you know, great upskilling. I mean, if you can talk to these devices, they are accessible, you know, and so um, they're not perfect for everyone, I, you know, I don't think, but I think they're, they're, um, you know, specifically for people with, with, with sight loss who, you know, they don't have a screen, there's no visual component to it. So being able to just ask, you know, ask um, Alexa or ask Google for support, you know, uh, or, you know, tell me more about a specific um, visual impairment or something, you know, or to make an appointment or something like that, or remind me about my upcoming appointment with NCBI. All of that is you know, inherently accessible and inclusive out of the box. And that's what really what we're trying to do as part of this project is look at the technology that's the most impactful for people with sight loss and then innovate around it. You know, and, and this is this is to me, this is the first time NCBI has moved into a into a space where we are listening to what our service users are telling us. They're telling us we we, lo we love these devices because they're inclusive. So why don't we, you know, 
um, pivot our service to enable that. And, and to do that, we needed to build this application. So um, it's, you know what, we don't know exactly what this project will ultimately come to in terms of what specific areas of services will be available on it. But we're in a position now where we know that there's an appetite for the broader uh, site loss community to 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 engage more around devices like these. So this is NCBI's recognition of that and to be funded to build such an exciting um, so, such an exciting project like this is, is really, really exciting. Um, so I, I think just to just to come back to your original question. No, the biggest and most empowering piece of of the, of smart technology like, you know, Alexa and Google Homes is that, you know, you don't need to be trained on it. You know, you don't after the initial setup, the training is is non-existent because you can ask it, tell me how to use this device or to, how do I use the NCBI Smart Hub? And the device will then read it back to you and explain how to use it. So, you know, it gives people huge independence. And that's that's so important, um, you know, as the enabling piece, you know, because if you don't need to be trained on a device and you, you don't need to have, you know, come into NCBI and for us to train you on it, you can do all that yourself. That's incredibly empowering. And, you know, um, not only can you use the NCBI Smart Hub, but you'll also use all the other areas of, of, of those devices out there that are, you know, um, that are very, very powerful people. Like something as simple as, you know, every morning when I walk into my office in, in NCBI, I say, hey, Alexa, read me the news and it reads me at the news. I'd stopped, I'd stopped um, reading the news years ago because of the, the visual element of it. Whereas now through, you know, a 40 year device that I leave sitting in my office desk, I have that back. So we want to bring that empowerment to um, interacting with NCBI services, so it's a it's a hugely it's a hugely exciting project. Like I keep using that over and over again, but I, I truly truly believe this is a this is a, a big project for NCBI to deliver. And the other exciting part of it is not only will it engage with the service users that we presently work with, but it is significant scope for NCBI to um, support and connect and reach out to um, everybody in the site loss community and to, to know that um, we're, we've offered this resource to them and in turn that they are aware that we are there for them should they need any of our services. Yeah, and that's, that's a critical point as well because <clears throat> I, I, I think, you know, each year NCBI wants to support as many people as needed and that support can be a very light touch or that can be a very intensive level of support. But with something like the NCBI Smart Hub, you know, we're supporting people you know, virtually um, through usage of, of of this device, but they they might necessarily ever need to talk to someone directly in NCBI. But NCBI is still offering that support to them. You know, and it's yeah. absolutely a, a mission of of our organisation. Um, and we, as, as you know, June, we we talk about this all the time. How can we reach more people with sight loss? In, in Ireland, you know, and I think there's probably even scope for this to, to support people outside of Ireland as well. So this really fundamentally is, is you know, um, is an enabler for us, not only for, for our service users, but it's an enabler for us to reach far more people than we ever would have before. Yes, it's, it's literally far reaching. Um, mm -hmm. So no wonder you're, you're excited about it. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I kind of feel like a broken record saying how excited I am, but I am, I am genuinely like hugely excited <laughs> well, about this project. Fingers crossed that um, enthusiasm and excitement lasts throughout the, the build of the, um, the hub as you progress throughout the year. So just to conclude, remind us when when will it be available, do you think? So we're hoping for the, the pilot to be uh, ready for about May of next year. 
Um, okay. And that, that's a, that's an extremely aggressive timeline. So I would say, you know, Q2 of next year would be an ideal time. And what I mean by a pilot is that wouldn't be available to the general public or the, the you know, the broader site loss community. But again, I would stress if you'd like to be involved in the in the pilot of it and give us direct feedback on it, um, do get in contact to labs at ncbi.ie. We'd really welcome support from, from the broader community um, on this. Um, we expect to be fully, so that, that's the soft launch in May of, of next year. We expect it to be fully live by September of next year. Um, so that would be, you know, out and available to, to everyone. You know, with, with IT projects, particularly particularly one as, 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 as important as this um, and one that's never been done before, they, they can take a little bit of time. So we're hoping to get it done in somewhere in total about nine to ten months, which I think is, is realistic but it'll be challenging to get done. Um, but again, as I said earlier, I think if we get this done right and we get as many features available in the very first release, um, you know, it'll be as powerful as possible. And then outside of that, then I, I don't think, you know, it's like with anything in IT, once you've released it, you need to keep improving it. So the more people that use it and the more feedback we get, I think it's something that NCBI will continue to build on and keep releasing as, as the years go by. So um, this is a, it's kind of like the foundational piece, the version 1.0, um, but we yeah. do intend to keep releasing it beyond that. Brilliant, because as you say, as time evolves, then um, more content needs to be curated and, and updated and installed into it. Um, so mm. it will it will grow as, as time goes on. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, Kyron, for, for telling us about this exciting project. It's it's uh, truly an honour for NCBI to be one of the awardees of the Rethink Fund when mm -hmm. we know that it'll produce such a innovative um, development for people who are blind to vision impaired. So best of luck with, with the whole development of it. Thanks, June. And if I just finish off and saying, just remind those people that would like to be involved in the project, please do uh, email labs at ncbi.ie. We'd really welcome support from the, the Sightlice community on this one. Excellent. Um, and I suppose just as always, if anyone is interested in accessing any of NCBI services, the best way to access them is to call the info line 1850 33 43 53. Many thanks again, Kyron. Thanks, June. Cheers. <laughs> Very good. So that was June Tinsley speaking to our Chief Technology Officer, Kyron O'Mahony, about the Smart Hub project. That's a, another exciting thing that's happening in NCBI at the moment. And as Kyron mentioned there, uh, that's something that hopefully will be um, live next year by about September. But of course, before that, there's the opportunity for people to have a bit of input into it, into the development of it and uh, potentially be part of the pilot that will be launched in May. Um, so again, just to reiterate, as Karen mentioned, if you want to get involved in that, please do contact us. So it's labs at ncbi.ie uh, if you want to be involved in that. So hopefully throughout the show, you've uh, heard uh, quite a bit about what's happening with the, the NCBI um, labs at the moment, some of the projects here, uh, some interesting things happening. Daniel, I think there was one or two other points to mention. Yes, um, just um, we do have um a question and answers panel open there on on the side throughout this uh, for uh, participants who are attending through the Microsoft Teams app. And there was a question in about the uh, technology clubs are they running on Zoom or on Teams? So the answer to that is the Microsoft Teams software. 
And um, we also have um, a comment in from Laura there who would like to take part. I think it's to do with the um, with the Smart Hub trials. So Laura, if you could perhaps send an email to labs at ncbi.ie and uh, somebody from the team will get back in contact with you. And I think we had a question there earlier, Jude. Um, oh yes, somebody was inquiring, with the local technology clubs or the regional technology clubs, should I say, do we record those? And unfortunately, the answer is not. Um, you, you do have to kind of join in there on the day to participate in those. So they're, because they're unscripted, I guess, and they're, they can um, take on a life of their own, yeah. they're, they're not recorded from from that from that standpoint of view, but um, definitely do get in contact with somebody in the NCBI, whether it's your local CRW worker, your IT trainer, or even drop an email to labs at ncbi.ie, and somebody will assist you getting you into one of those clubs. So that's it from me, Jude. Thank you very much. Very good. Thanks a lot, Daniel, for uh, taking us through those points as well. And thanks to everyone who has sent in a question or a comment as well. Appreciate your input into that, and hopefully we've been able to answer your your questions there. If not. Uh, just get in touch with us on the lab's email address or uh, we'll we'll try and um, get the answer to you some other way. But hopefully we've been able to cover most of those things. Um, so as we as we said there, there's plenty going on in, in NCBI at the moment, plenty of initiatives and things that hopefully will be uh, very useful to the um, to the site loss community as well. So hopefully uh, that's something that people are able to uh, be involved in. Just to remind everyone that those um, virtual technology clubs are happening at the moment so if, if anybody wants to be a part of that please do contact your your community resource worker your uh, local IT worker or as we said the email address there as well of course if you want help on any of these uh, technology issues any other technology questions you can always contact um, the labs team and you can do that by phone as well. Uh, so 1850 92 That's 1850 That's nine to five Monday to Friday. You can contact the labs team or you can use the, the email address. I'm sure you have it off by heart at this stage, labs at ncbi.ie. Or you can uh, contact us for wider NCBI services. As June mentioned there in, in the uh, end of the video, if, if you want to get in touch with NCBI for all sorts of different things, you can use the info at ncbi.ie email address or contact us on 1850-33-43-53. Of course, with all these different initiatives going on as well, it's it's always important for us to mention that if you'd like to make a donation to uh, support our services um, so that we can continue to try and innovate and have these kind of initiatives that, uh, that, that really do make a difference, you can visit donate.ncbi.ie. That's donate.ncbi.ie or even in a, in a more sort of specific way, if you want to sponsor one of our live events, please email labs at ncbi.ie and we'd be delighted to hear from you. So just before we finish up for today, just want to give you a bit of a sense of what's happening um, in our next event. Now, as we mentioned earlier, we're uh, increasing the regularity of our live events again. So we're back up to every two weeks now. So that means two weeks from today, October 27th at 2.30 p.m. We're going to cover that subject. We mentioned it before, just uh, PDFs can sometimes be a little bit of a problem with uh, access accessibility. Probably a lot of people have stories of difficulties with accessing PDFs. So we'll be talking a little bit about 
some of the solutions that are there for that, some of the progress that's been made in, in uh, making PDFs a little bit more accessible as well. So that'd be of interest to you if you've ever had a, a difficulty that way. And we'll be talking about another NCBI resource, another initiative, the Technology Training Centre in Tala as well. So we'll uh, have a, a bit of a discussion about that and let you know a bit more about what that's about. And we'll also be introducing NCBI Labs' new Senior Technology Trainer, Dennis Nolan, new member to, to the team, a new addition there that you'll be able to get to know a little bit more on our next live event, October 27th at 2.30 p.m. And of course, if you'd like to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events, as well as plenty of um, more um, very useful information, very useful shortcuts, hints, tips of how you can use the accessibility settings on your device, you can subscribe to our newsletter or on our website, or you can again email us at labs at ncbi.ie. So all that's left for me to do today is to thank our panel again. We really appreciate those uh, different perspectives on the regional technology clubs. Of course, uh, to our uh, regular panel as well, Brian uh, Manning, who was involved uh, there in the setting up of the virtual technology clubs, but uh, JP and Daniel as well are joining us today and doing a lot of the background work as well. So appreciate all that as well. And uh, we look forward to having everyone back with us for our next live event on October 27th.